When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Ownership in soccer is a real possibility in Southern California. This is a really interesting one. It's quite a personal one for me. I, the team I support in England, AFC Wimbledon, we play in the fourth tier in England. And I have been a part owner of that club for a number of years now. Um, And a few teams in England have done it. It's a sort of Green Bay Packers model of community ownership, but it's something we've wanted to do. That's Dan Rutstein, president of the Orange County Soccer Club of the USL, where investing in the future has a low buy-in. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. This was one of the most interesting conversations we have had with an executive of an emerging league, the USL. Soccer, of course, is growing in this country, but remains far behind the competitive levels in Europe. Orange County Soccer Club is a feeder for top-tier leagues there, and now are open to having new owners enter in the ground floor here. Our guest this week is Dan Rutstein. He is the president of the Orange County Soccer Club of the United Soccer League, which as of at the time of this taping is playing in that league's playoffs. But we're having Dan on because of a specific opportunity that is unusual in the United States where you could become part of the ownership with an investment of the club. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Bram. Thanks for having me on. I don't want you to have to project out how your team's going to perform here, because by the time this actually airs, they may or may not still be playing in the playoffs. But do you want to give a rundown of the season very quickly to this point? Let's put it this way. If you had asked me in May whether we would be hosting home playoff games, I I would have laughed at you and tried to plan a holiday with you for immediately after the regular (laughs) season. Um, We were bottom of the league. And it was not looking good. And this is after the previous year finishing dead last in our conference. Um, We had a change of manager and things changed significantly. And we went on a one stage, a nine game winning streak. And we ended up finishing second, which meant one home playoff game, which we won. And then another guaranteed home playoff game, which we will have played by the time this is aired against Phoenix Rising, which is a big rivalry game because last time we played Phoenix Rising in the playoffs, Mr. Didier Drogba, who most people have heard of, actually scored the winning goal uh, and then there was a pitch invasion. So this is very much a revenge game. He is long retired now, but we are excited. Well, we were excited to be playing Phoenix again. So the season went from sort of disaster to spectacular. Um, Let me talk about your club for a moment generally uh, before we get into the specific investment program that is being offered, which is unusual, which is the the true reason why we really want to talk to you about what you guys are doing. Um, you, you, you pitch yourselves as a team that not only is competitive in this league, but it is a 
quote unquote pathway to Europe for a number of players. Can you kind of talk about what the mission statement of Orange County Soccer Club is? Yeah, we've deliberately set ourselves up as, in some ways, you would, if we were a small European team, you would just call us a selling club. But basically, our, our model is can we develop the next generation of, you know, American superstars while still being very competitive on the field? And I think for us, the year that it all worked was 2021, where we won the USL National Championship with a team that included people like Michael Orozco, who played 28 times for the US national team. But alongside him at centre-back was a young man called Kobe Henry, who was the US under-19 captain, who we've since sold to play in the top league in France. And he's one of six players that we've sold to European teams. So we, we pride ourselves on being able to develop these young players and sell them to some of the top clubs in Europe. So we've sold to Rangers in Scotland. We recently sold a player to the Dutch champions, Feyenoord. Um, and we've got some other young players who are joining us specifically to play in a team knowing that they will be recruited into Europe. So it's a, it's a slightly different model. We're not trying to help college, quite yeah. the opposite. We're almost trying to help them bypass college and go into the top leagues in Europe. Do you believe there will be a period of time in the future, and I don't know when that is, that the MLS will be a landing spot for the type of players you're developing? It's an interesting question. I think it's about the different models. So, and I don't think there's any shame in this, but the MLS is very good at being all about the MLS. So if their aim is to increase the franchise value of the clubs and the value of the league overall, they're doing a spectacular job. Yes, they are. Now, um, there has been, definitely in the past, there was a, a clear view that the MLS wasn't really interested in the success of the U.S. national team. Um, and actually, if you look at why the U.S. is a serious team who can, who can expect to probably get deep into the knockout rounds in the next World Cup, it's because there's so many players now plying their trade in the top European leagues. You've got people playing at Juventus. They've had them at Barcelona and Chelsea. Obviously, Politics doing incredible things in Italy. They are the highest standard of play, the European League. So you want your players competing over there. So, you know, we talk to our young players a lot. And, you know, we, when we recently sold Correa Osandinho, US under 20 player, to Feyenoord, he said, you know, his dream was to play in Europe. And for us, I think we want to help these players achieve their dreams. But then, in three years' time, when the World Cup is back here, it's not impossible where there could be two or three Orange County players playing in that national side. Because for us, that's what we want to, to see. It's not about, you know, protecting our league and protecting our franchise value. We want to sell our best players, ideally after they've won us a, a star. But still, we're keen to move them on. That's our business. Is this an unusual model for the USL or, or, or is everyone kind of thinking the same way that, that Orange County is? I would say it's an unusual, it was an unusual model for the USL, but now everyone is thinking the same way. So I think when we started this, I think the view was teams in the USL should, you know, sell tickets, sell hot dogs, but not really sell players. Yeah. But actually... We've now, when we started selling these players, other teams took notice. Other teams have now sold players. Um, and I think 
as a league, they're increasingly looking at the USL as a development league. Now, it might be some of the players get sold to the MLS, but actually the real value is selling them into Europe, partly because that's the, the highest standard of league, but also the transfer model is much more mature over there. So you sell a player and you get a transfer fee, but you also get a percentage of their future transfer value. Mm. So they do one move for you know a few hundred thousand, but when they make their second move for you know the high millions or the low tens of millions, and you're getting a percentage of that, that starts being really noticeable for a club. And you know that's a lot of hot dogs you have to sell to yeah. cover a transfer like that. Okay, so organizationally then, what are the priorities? Obviously, you want to attract talent and players to play for your club under this model. But what else is important in terms of preparing them? Why would they come to Orange County? Is it the coaching, the training, the technology? How do you view the infrastructure around the club to get what you're looking for in the end? That's a great question. At the start, it was about a different vision. So nobody else was looking to do this. But we were. And our, if you look at who runs our technical side, um, you know, the general manager and the president of soccer operations is a Swiss gentleman who, Oliver Wies, who uh, has played a good standard, coached at a good standard, worked as an agent for a while. He knows his way around agents and the European transfer market. Um, and our sporting director, Pete Nugent, was the chief scout at Blackburn Rovers. So these are people who are very well connected in Europe. And I think by starting this process, and selling one or two, you get two things. One is the European clubs know we're selling and want to see our players. And the second part is players are being recruited from MLS academies to come here to know that they are going to be the next player to go to Europe. So you've got the push and pull at either end. And then in the middle, we've got a really good development system where we have coaches specifically to help the young players develop the, the way it's set up and how we introduce them into the first team, where the way they train. We're not just training them for next Saturday's game. We're training them for an entire future career, which is both their technical ability, but even the mentality off the field, the, what you need in a dressing room to survive at a European league, all of that stuff. It's all part of what we're teaching them. Let's get into the investment program, which is you are offering the opportunity to invest in the club. Um, kind of take me through the thinking behind it and what someone would get if they did invest in Orange County Soccer Club. This is a really interesting one. It's quite a personal one for me. I, The team I support in England, AFC Wimbledon, we play in the fourth tier in England. And I have been a part owner of that club for a number of years now. Um, and a few teams in England have done it. It's a sort of Green Bay Packers model of community ownership, but it's something we've wanted to do. And we signed a new 10-year deal at our stadium a couple of weeks ago, which secures the future of the club. So the next step for us was to then offer up what will be around 5% of the club for fans to invest in. So in some ways, we're looking for different types of owners. So for as little as $100, you can become an owner of the club. And I think, frankly, some of that is being able to tell your friends that you own a bit of a soccer club, yeah. which has real cachet. Um, but we've also had some investors come in 
uh, in the sort of tens of thousands as well who see it as a real investment. So it, it's both of those things. So we're looking to both raise capital in terms of helping to fund more of our plan development, some of the developments we're going to make in the stadium now we've signed the longer term deal. But really, it's about building our community. And the aim of this at the end is to have, you know, maybe a few thousand new owners who have some, who feel like they have some stake in the club. And whether that is just bragging rights in the pub or it's a genuine investment because the USL is very much a growing league in a country where football is really, sorry, soccer is really going through an extraordinary period of growth. Franchise values are going up. So there's real investment value in this as well. Um, but it, it's, I think for me, we, you know, we launched this campaign the Wednesday before our playoff game. And three days later, we did an owner's parade on the field <laughs> where there was around 100 or so of our new owners you know, walking around the field, receiving the adulation of the crowd. And I think they just felt special and different. And I think it just changes your relationship with your club. And I think for Americans, you know, the Green Bay Packers are held up as a sort of shiny example of fans being involved. I'm not sure any of those people are looking for return on investment. I think they're looking to be able to tell their friends that they own a bit of the Green Bay Packers. I do. I will tell you, I'm one of the people that owns a a stock share. Um, And I will tell you, because you probably know this, I have no voting rights, you know, it, it, there is no true value to it. I can't really sell it. And even as the Packers are going to go up in value, I won't financially gain from that. So it's more the cachet of saying I'm an owner of an NFL team. This seems a little bit different. Is there any voting rights if you become an owner? Is there any say with decision making when it comes to direction of the organization? Or in the end, is there potential financial reward if the team is worth more down the road? Yeah, so there's a couple of different bits to it. So we'll start in terms of sort of what you what you get. So there are no voting rights. There have been versions of these I've seen done sort of in Europe with crypto backing where, you know, you're voting on which players are going to start in the game and so on. There's, there's none of that. So there's no voting rights. There's no decision-making of any type. Um, so, you know, at the lower level, it, you know, it's just ownership. Now, at the different levels... I think a thousand dollar investment you get we're making a special kit where we're going to have all the names of the thousand dollar owners sublimated into a shirt which is going to be designed that the players will wear in at least one game and maybe more next year so in the players will be bearing your your name on the kit that they're wearing and then up to i think at twenty five thousand, you get a five-year season ticket in the best seats in the house so there are sort of different perks at different levels. So some of it is about cachet and some of it is these different perks. There's rounds of golf with players you can unlock at 5,000. Dinner with a manager you can unlock at 10,000. But where I think it definitely differs from the, 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 the ownership you have of the Packers is there is a genuine uh, end game in this. If the club is sold, if there's some other liquidity event around the club, later on your this is a real investment and you would get a return based on the higher value of the club so i know have done this just for bragging rights and even at a hundred dollars even if they get 150 dollars back in three years that's not why they've done it but right. for the people coming in for a few thousand 
you know, they're asking all the questions about the business because they're seeing this as a genuine investment. Okay. Um, and let's talk about that as an investment. You kind of mentioned, obviously, the growth of soccer. Uh, we've seen the growth of values around the MLS. We're seeing marketing rights and television rights exploding for the NWSL. Can you talk about soccer God, as an investment? I mean, it's a strange thing to say, but as an investment right now in the United States of America. So we are definitely at a unique point in the growth of the game here. So whether it's Ted Lasso, we are Wrexham, <laughs> Lionel Messi signing for Inter Miami, or the fact that the actual World Cup will be here in three years' time. You know, you put those factors together, the people who didn't know about the sport know about the sport. Brands see the value, as you say, the, the MLS uh, franchise values are soaring. I think some past a billion dollar mark. USL is the fastest growing second tier league in the world. And we are seeing that boost. We've sold out seven games in a row, which is uh, five more games this year than we had in the club's previous 10 years. Um, Across the league, attendances are up, merchandise is up, corporate sponsorships are up. So, Soccer's going through a special growth phase at the moment, and all of these franchises are increasing in, in value. Oakland are the only team in our league. They did a fundraising campaign. Theirs was slightly different. Theirs was a all the professional sports team in Oakland have just left. You know, we're the only one left. Do you want to invest in us and keep us here? But they went out at a value of $78 million which is not insignificant for a team in our league who had lost $20 million in the last two years um, because they had to show their financials as part of it. So there are teams running at an operating loss, but the franchise values are high and will only get higher. Um, And let me ask you just one broad question about what the future looks like. Um, Where is future investment? Do you think it comes from the MLS Do you think it comes from European teams that see the value of growth of American soccer? Sovereign wealth money has been a big part of the soccer universe now. Um, Could you predict who the owners and um, market makers will be in the sport of soccer? So I think, particularly in the USL, I think it's going to be a combination of probably European teams. I think there's it's inevitable at some stage one of the teams will end up becoming part of a group in the like the city group that's Manchester City with about eight teams now, maybe the group that Sheffield United are part of. I feel like one of those sort of umbrella groups may well come in for a USL team at some stage. There's also a significant amount of investment from um and you and you're seeing this in a lot of different sports, other athletes. So yeah. you're having um you know, normally retired or near retired uh, athletes, either from from soccer who've made their money or from other sports buying bits of teams. And, you know, you're seeing it, you know, people are buying pickleball teams and people are investing in hockey teams. And, you know, people have been buying soccer teams in Europe. So obviously Tom Brady's got his piece of Birmingham and JJ Watt's got his piece of Burnley. I think you're going to start seeing more of that around the USL as well. Not sure about the sovereign wealth fund. I mean, there's definitely been conversations. Um, I think they'll want to see how the game grows. They'll want to 
understand how some of the geopolitics plays out and how some of this golf stuff plays out because obviously there's a little bit more complication than just the money with some of those but these teams are seen as growing they're seen as real investments and i think from those different pots of money i think you're going to start seeing more of that you know in the usl as as the sport grows i wonder had you known ryan reynolds was so interested in soccer He's right up the street in Los Angeles. You might have had a shot to get him to invest here with Orange County as opposed to go all the way over the, over the pond. Yes. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we, we, you know, we look at all that We Are Wrexham stuff. I yeah. mean, we, we know some of the folks over there, um, and uh, you know, we've been trying to persuade them that when they come back and do a summer tour here, rather than playing against Manchester United and losing by six goals, they should actually be playing us because – we're much more similar in standards to them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, and we might, you know, ask Ryan once we finish the game whether he wants to buy $100 of, of our club so he can join the ownership group or more. Yeah. Uh, Dan Rutstein is the president of Orange County Soccer Club. It's a first for an American soccer club. It's an investment opportunity for people who want to get an ownership stake in the group. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brandon. On the next Future Sport podcast, in-game betting opportunities are being disseminated in real time. We've defined accuracy at incredibly deep levels, and and I believe it's very groundbreaking work in order to explain how to measure and for for predicting. Now, uh, of course, we learn over time too, and and as we learn these new tools to look at accuracy. You know, we just flat out got better year over year. That's Kelly Pratt, co-founder of Envenue, who will discuss partnerships with major broadcasters to disseminate lightning-fast in-game opportunities. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.